So this morning, we're going to talk about God's love, and we're going to talk about God loves us so much that he refuses to leave us the way he found us. So I don't know how he found you, but I'm glad he decided not to leave me the way I was. <laughs> and I'm sure that we, um, we all, uh, I mean, from this perspective now, um, we, we can see just how awesome that, that is. In Romans uh, chapter 5 and verse 8, it says, But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that we were yet, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were at our worst state, Jesus died for us. So I'm going to kick a word around this morning, and I'm going to, I was trying to, to see if there was such a thing of, of word abuse, but I don't think there is. But I'm going to abuse the word cooperate a little bit this morning, so um, please bear with me. But the word means to work jointly toward the same end, uh, to work side by side. So I want to talk about God's refusal to leave us the way he found us and our need and responsibility to cooperate uh, with him as he transforms our life. So 2 Corinthians 3.18, and we're getting to the text. We're going to be in Psalm 139, Mark 10, and then we're going to finish in James chapter 1. But 2 Corinthians 3.18, Paul tells us that, but we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So as we behold the glory of God in the Word of God, the Spirit of God transforms us into the likeness of Jesus Christ. This is a description of the gradual process that we call sanctification, transforming our lives into the image of Christ. So it's God's will to transform us into that image of Christ. But it, there's a requirement to that, and that requirement is cooperation. We need to cooperate with what God is doing in our lives. Only God can change us, and that happens when we follow God's pattern for change as it's found in the Bible. So lasting change requires the active work of the Holy Spirit in our lives and our working side by side with the Holy Spirit to reach that, that common end, you know, Christ-likeness, transforming our lives into the image of Christ. So Psalm 139, David prays an interesting prayer, and he prayed that God would search him and lead him. And I'd like to use that prayer with Mark, with an account in Mark 10 with the rich young ruler to lay the foundation for our text in James this morning. So verses 23 and 24 of Psalm 139 says, Search me, O Lord, or search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. 
So in verse 1, it's kind of interesting in that same psalm. It tells us that God had searched David and knew him. It says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. So what's the point of David's prayer? If God already knows, then why ask? So David states a fact that God does search our hearts and David prays that God would exercise that, that power, exercise that search in his life. And the reason why I think David prayed that even though he knew that God searched his heart is because David knew that he couldn't trust himself to evaluate his own heart. Right? And he's right with that. Jeremiah 17, verses 9 through 10 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doing. So why ask God to search us, to know our hearts, to, to know our thoughts, to see if there is any wicked way in me? When we do that, we're saying, Lord, I need help. Search me. But not just my outward behavior, but what I think about, my thoughts, what passes through my mind, what occupies my imagination and my memory, what has a hold on my affections and controls my will, those deep things. And show me if there is any wicked way in me. And what is that? Any, anything that's in my heart that is in the way of me drawing closer to you, let me know, Lord. Try, try me and lead me in the way of everlasting. And that's a, like a snapshot of our uh, walk through life. Anybody here not want to be led by God? No, right? We want God to lead us and to guide us. And it's that process of sanctification. You know, God is faithful to show us what we need to work on. If it's patience, he'll give us opportunity to be patient. If it's love, he'll work that into our day as well. It all happens as he leads us through life, this life, to eternal life. So Psalm 139 comes alive in the account of the rich young ruler in, Matthew, uh, chap in Mark chapter 10. And it's a good illustration of the wrong response when God shows us what's in our heart. So in verse 17 of Mark 10, it says, Now as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So basically, what is he, uh, what's he saying to Jesus? Search me, God. Search me. And, and let me know if there's anything in me that is hindering my relationship with you, hindering my, um, my entrance into the kingdom, if you will. 139, verses 23 and 24. Jesus, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? What's in my way? Show me. So he's asking that prayer, you know, basically to Jesus. So Jesus' response, we're going to see Jesus' response, and then, of course, the, 
the young rich ruler's response. So in verses 18 through 20, so Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, and that is God. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he answered, the, now the response from the, the young man is he answered and said to him, teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Well, it's a pretty bold statement, but that was his response. Now notice Jesus' response back, and this is, is really pretty powerful verse. It says, then Jesus looking at him, loving him, and said to him, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, take up your cross and follow me. Now, the New American Standard Bible translates verse 21 this way. Looking at him, Jesus felt a love for him. And I think that's just a beautiful picture of the heart of Jesus. He didn't, I mean, he, he loved this, this young man um, in the state that he was in. The state that he came to him in, he loved him. But you know what? Jesus wasn't going to leave him that way. I mean, God loves us so much. When, you know, we, he finds us a certain way, and, and then he starts to cultivate um, his character in our lives. You know, and that is such a, a freeing thing to think that no matter how God found us, he is committed not to leave us that way. He is determined to change us. We just need to cooperate with what he's doing. He refused to leave this young man the way he found him. But, you know, now the ball's in his court, and his response is in verse 22. But the young man said, but it, it says, but he was sad at, his, at this word and went his way sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Jesus saw into this young man's heart, just like he's looking into our hearts today, just as he does every day, looking into our hearts. Um, and he saw that this young man was, um, was more devoted to um, his financial portfolio than he was in following Christ. You know, Jesus told him, Two things, right? He told them to go sell whatever, you know, sell whatever you have and give to the poor and then to follow him to the cross. Take up your cross and follow me. So the one thing that, that, he, that he lacked was an undivided allegiance to God. Since wealth was his God, he was devoted to that wealth rather than God. And the question that we need to ask ourselves is, who or what are we sold out to? Are we sold out to our relationship with the Lord? Are we sold out to that? Or are we kind of, you know, so-so, men's and men's, dependent on, um, you know, the day or how we got up or, you know, there's just so many different factors that we could add in to that. But the point is, Jesus was telling him the way to eternal life was to turn from trusting in himself 
his good works, um, his earthly securities, and to trust Jesus. So in other words, Jesus was telling him, get rid of the stuff. You know, we got to get rid of the stuff. What stuff is in your life that is hindering this process? Because God is determined to not leave you the way that you are, even right now. And he's committed to bringing that transformation in our lives. So whatever the stuff is, and you know what it doesn't, it's not, doesn't, it could be different for all of us. But whatever the stuff is, um, it's got to go. So um, I challenge you to cooperate with God with what he's working and doing in your life. And you know what it is, right? Because <laughs> you know what it is, and he's going to keep being persistent to bring about that change. So with that said, what should our response or our attitude be when we pray Psalm 139 and God shows us what's in our heart? So we say the prayer, God shows us, puts his finger on it, points it out to us in our lives, and then what do we do with that? What do we do with that? Now, something happened to me um, this last couple of days that really um, kind of drove home this point about, um, you know, just allowing, you know, allowing God to, to work um, this character transformation um, in me. And, you know, we're going to, we're going to look at James and dealing with trials, but I, I have to share this because it was, I was thinking about it this morning. One second. Okay. So we had our roof done at our house. Okay. So I don't know if anybody's had their roof replaced lately. It's interesting. So the process is, they send the guy over to, to look at everything, and, you know, they kind of give you the rundown. This is what's going to happen. And, you know, you, I got the impression from what the guy said that, um, you know, they're going to come and they're going to do all this stuff, and, you know, they're going to take the roof off, put the new one on. You know, we're going to cover up all, your, all the shrubs you have, your flowers. You know, and, you know, you think that this is going to be great. They're going to come. They're going to take the roof off put a new one on, it's going to be great. Then they're going to just move all this stuff out of the way and everything's going to look the way that it did before they got there. <laughs> so, you know, we didn't even get to the how to deal with trials yet, right? So, so they come and, you know, they put all this stuff up, which, you know, they, the guy said they were going to do. But... Um, you know, then you hear, you know, you start hearing a little noise and then you start hearing pieces of the roof hitting the other part of the roof and then landing in the lawn. And, you know, it's, it's, it looked like, a, it really looked like a bomb went off at our house. And, you know, all of the nice stuff that they put up to protect everything got crushed and, you know, with the roofing falling on it. And so, <laughs> so we're in the house it's, you know, it's like we're captive now to what's happening. And so, to make a long story short, it just got progressively worse. 
So now we're thinking, but boy, this guy said that, you know, everything was going to be great. You know, everything was going to be protected. And so now we're starting to um, not get an attitude, but get a little concerned about maybe the guy was a little, wasn't as accurate with his description as to what was supposed to happen. So and I'm, this is, I'm, I'm going to make a point here eventually. So that's, that's day one. So day one, they have the roof done, and they have to come back and, and do the porch. So, you know, we're praying, okay, Lord, you know, this is, you know, this is good, a little different. But, you know, like they were there till like 10 o'clock at night, you know, cleaning up, doing stuff. So the next day comes, they do the garage, and now they start pulling all this stuff out all of the tarps and all that. And, you know, there's, um, you know, there's, you know, one bush that's like, you know, bent in like a different position. And then there's some flowers that are like totally crushed. You know, and it was totally different than what we thought. But, you know, we just prayed. We said, all right, Lord, you know, it is what it is. So our, you know, we were um, able to maintain the right kind of attitude. You know, and so here's what's happening. The Lord is allowing this misunderstanding, or however you want to phrase it, to come into our life. And, you know, now what's he, what's he going to do with this? And, you know, it worked out great. Everything, everything I mean, the roof looks great. The yard is better, right? But there's a point to this. See, how we handle this, knowing that, okay, Lord, we had a little different perspective. Maybe we understood things a little differently, but it didn't affect us in our, like, our attitude. We were able to, like, learn from this. Okay, you know, maybe we didn't understand. So we had learned a lesson. So now, you got to fast forward. It's the end of, it's, it's Friday. So I'm looking around, and I noticed that some of the flashing is, not in a certain spot. So I, I called the guy, and he comes right back and, you know, fixes it. And so we're talking, and it's just amazing. How to, so he says, um, he says, hey, Toby, or to- I think his name is Toby. He said, um, he said you're a pastor. And I said, um, yeah, you know, I, the church up the road, you know, up the hill, you know, at Calvary Chapel of Rochester. And he said, um, hey, you know, I know I'm here for the roof. But I really need to talk to you. You know, and we, we just talked for like about 40 minutes, half hour, 40 minutes. So before he left, he said, Can you, will you just please pray for me? So I prayed for him, you know. But here's the point I'm trying to make. You know, we go through difficulties. We go, you know, the Lord allows things to come into our life. And he's refining us. And it was really a blessing for us because just think if I would have given in and said, you know what, Lord, later for this. I mean, these guys are destroying, blah, blah. You know, I could have just went, no, but we just said, hey, you know what, all right, let's pray. You know, we don't know what the Lord's up to, but if I would have, if I would have blown my witness, I would have never had the opportunity to speak into this young man's life and to pray with him. So when we get into James, there's more to... There's more to to all of this than we really imagine because we have no idea. You know, the Lord is cultivating his character in us for a reason. 
You know, and sometimes part of that is like, you know, okay, you know, Lord, what are you doing kind of thing, and just wait, and we're going to talk about this, but sometimes, you know, we got to just wait and let things take its course. Let, let, let things play out before, you know, we get overly concerned. So let's get it. We're going to get into James chapter one. And for you seniors, this might be a little bit of review. I think like a year and a half ago, we went through um, James chapter, well, the whole book. But we did spend some time in the first chapter. But, you know, it's, um, it's having the right attitude. So chapter one of James is going to be an enormous help in shaping our attitude when dealing with those times where God gets specific in our lives and he allows those glorious and refining trials into our lives. So, and, you know, and keep in mind, there's, um, this is just one of many, many places in the word of God that will keep you in that transformation mode. So our attitude and trials. So what's an attitude? An attitude or attitudes are patterns of thinking formed over a long period of time. So if it takes a long period of time to acquire a bad attitude, it might take a little bit of time to change that too. So we need to be patient with that. But attitudes, right away we see there's, if we remember the contrast, we see the contrast between the rich young ruler um, and his response to um, what the Lord was speaking into his life. And we're going to see a big contrast as we look at James and um, the outcome of following James's um, remarks on dealing with trials. So there's only two ways things could go, God's way or the wrong way. All right, so we want God's way. So James chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, it says, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings, my brother, and count it all joy when you fall into various trials. So count it all joy. And that word count, is a, it's an accounting word. It means to assess or to reckon. And James is asking us to think or take inventory um, to see what there is to learn from the situation or the trial that we're in. So it's the troubles and the difficulties are the tools that refine and purify our faith, producing patience and endurance in our lives. So notice it says that James also tells us that um, when you fall um, into various trials, um, notice um, he didn't say if you fall into trials. He said when you fall into various trials. And right, we, we've all experienced them, those sudden unexpected hardships. You know, it's, I was thinking about this. Yeah, I have my phone, right? I was thinking about... I'm always putting stuff on my calendar. So you can't go to your calendar and say, oh, you know what, next week is wide open. I'm gonna, I'm gonna schedule some trials. I think I'm gonna schedule two trials, one on Tuesday and then one on Friday because you know, my schedule is kind of free. Uh, you know, that would be, wouldn't that be great if we could do that? 
if we could like schedule them. Lord, can we, you know, this week's kind of busy, so could we have like a trial-free week? Doesn't work that way. I wish it did. But you know, it seems like all of a sudden they're there. You wake up, boom, <laughs> the roof is leaking. <laughs> no, they just fixed the roof. Hopefully it's not leaking. But, you know, you just, you wake up and it's there. And they come and he talks about various trials. And it comes from the Old Testament that refers to Joseph's coat of many colors or varied colors. So the reality is that trials come in all different shapes and sizes, right? And they're different. They're different. Trials that one person might face are totally different than the way another person would face them, right? So it's important for us to understand that. Uh, they come in physical. There's physical trials, emotional, money, um, issues with drugs. You know, they come in all shapes and forms. But it's important to note that James didn't say um, that a believer should be joyous for the trials, but to be to count it all joy in the trial. And there's a reason for that, and we're going to, as we go through that, we'll see what the reason is. But many people count it all joy when we escape a trial. Like, whew, that was close, right? But um, that's not it. James said to count it all joy in the midst of the trial. And why is that? Because there's, believe it or not, there's advantages to our trials, Right? God is doing something. God is allowing something into our lives for a reason. And in parentheses in my note, I, I put repeat that. <laughs> so God is doing something. You know, that in itself is something to rejoice over. That God is doing something in your life. And he cares enough about you, loves you enough to not just let it go. That issue or whatever it is is hindering your relationship with him, and he's not, he doesn't want that. He doesn't want anything in the way of hindering his relationship, his working in our lives to transform us and to conform us into the image of Christ. And like I said, he's determined to make those changes. And you know what? It goes a lot easier when we cooperate with what God is doing. So important for us to understand that. Cooperating with God. You know, saints, we need to understand that sanctification, this transformation of our character, uh, requires teamwork. It's, it's the Lord in us. It's the Holy Spirit in us. It's teamwork. We're in it together. Yeah, you just can't sit back and watch it happen. It just doesn't, it's not like... Um, I was going to use a science reference, but I really wasn't that good in science. But I think it's osmosis. You know, like if you go to sleep at night and you put your head on the Bible, like it would just kind of all of a sudden just work its way into your head. Well, it doesn't work that way. Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't work that way. There needs to be cooperation with God's operation. Okay, it needs to happen that way. Spiritual growth is never accidental, it's always intentional. You know, we have to cooperate. We have to work with God in what he's doing in our lives. So with that said, 
Let's read on. Verse, verse 3. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Knowing that God is not sadistic. Um, he's not allowing something into our life to antagonize us. No, when God allows a trial in our lives, when he allows things in our lives, he's doing it to produce Christ-like character in us. And, you know, sometimes the testing of our faith hurts, but it'll never harm you. It might hurt, but it'll never harm you. So what's patience? Patience is the ability to remain under. You know, God is trying to produce in us that staying power through this trial, the ability to remain under the pressure of the trial, to see it through. You know, so it's like this. When a trial comes into our lives, it puts pressure on us. And really, naturally, the first thing that we want to do uh, when we feel that pressure is to get out from under it. Right? Is that, or is it just probably me? All right? You, you know, you, the pressure is, you know, it's starting, you're starting to feel the pressure, and our first response is, wow, I just got to get out of it. You know, get out from under this. Don't do that. Don't do that. Remember, God is trying to produce patience in us, this endurance, that ability to remain under the pressure of what he's trying to teach you. Don't jump ship on what God is doing in your life. You got you to stay the course. It's about cooperating with God, trusting him and not fighting against what he's trying to do. Anybody fight against God at times? You know, I mean, we do it. Sometimes it's just a, like a natural response. You know, but that's all part of the growth process. And James is saying, hey, wait a minute. If something's going on in your life and it's, the pressure is building, you, you got to do the best you can to just chill and let, let the Lord work. Let the Lord work. You know, patience is the funnel through which a majority of our Christian virtue flows into our lives. Patience. In verse 4, James says, But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So let patience have its perfect work. Let the trial you're facing accomplish the purpose for which God has allowed it or intended. There's a reason for it. And if we give in too quickly, we miss what God is trying to do. And God just doesn't say, okay, um, well, let's move on to something else. God has a way of bringing us right back to it again and again and again. You know, because... He's got all the time in the world, right? right. He's, I mean, time is not an issue for God. And he's just going to keep working on it until we get it. All right? And that's important for us to understand that. You know, don't hinder God's work in your life. But instead, cooperate. thought you guys would have got it by now. Cooperate, Yes. Cooperate with what he's doing. And the whole idea when it talks about um, letting patience have his perfect work, it's talking about taking your hands off of the situation. Like take your hands off, take a step back, and see what's going on. Don't be so quick to, to get out from under it. Let God accomplish what he's trying to accomplish in your life. 
Because don't, you know, we just keep short-circuiting the process and God keeps bringing us back. You know, patience, endurance. You know, God's trying to work all of this in it, into our lives because he's molding us, he's shaping us, and um, it's, a, it's a process. You know, and part of the process, the problem with the process at times for us is that we forget that God is doing something. Then we keep trying and we keep failing, and before you know it, we get discouraged, and we have a tendency to give up. Don't do that. Don't do that, guys. It's not how often we fall. It's how long we stay down. If you fail, and it, come on, <clears throat> we all know, right? We, we, if we're honest, right, we all know that we're going to fail, and we have failed. And, you know, it might be different uh, for all of us, but, you know, it could be a month, it could be two months, it could be a year, you know, back and forth with the Lord. Um, some of us here could, have, could be spending years wandering away from God because God has allowed something difficult into your life that you wouldn't deal with and you walked away, gave up on the whole process. But you know what, it, and you notice I, I did say that, that something difficult in your life that you wouldn't deal with. And it's not, it, I didn't say couldn't for a reason, because a lot of times we walk away because we don't want to deal with it anymore. It's, you know, we feel like we can't. You know, I've tried, I've tried, I've tried, and I've failed. But we need to understand that it's, it's not that we couldn't. It's that we wouldn't, you know, and, and, you know, we can't give up because, you know, what did, what, did the, what did Paul tell us in 1 Corinthians 10, 13? It says that no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. You know, as difficult as it may seem, there is nothing, there is no temptation that can overtake you except what is common. You know, things that we face, they seem so uh, weird and difficult to us, but you know what? Um, the, the, it's all common to man. I mean, we might feel it differently, we might try to deal with it differently, but there's nothing that, that is such as not common to man. But God is faithful. And it says that he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, he's going to make a way of escape. You know, God is working something into our lives, and we just can't give up. We just can't throw in the towel because, you know, we're missing out on something that God wants to teach us. So there's so much God wants to change in our lives. <laughs> so let him do it. So I'm going to say it again. Cooperate with God. Work jointly towards the same end. God wants to change us, all right? And I don't mean next week. I don't mean next month. I mean right now. God wants to change your life. God wants to transform your life today more and more into the image of Christ. And here's why we should persevere. 
And if you guys could think of a better reason, let me know. But let me reread um, verse 4. But let patience have its perfect work. Why? That you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Now, of course, I'm not talking about um, sinless perfection, but I'm talking about maturity. And that's kind of the theme through the book of James. It's growing in Christ. It's about spiritual maturity. And really, the goal is maturity, right? We want to mature in Christ, just like we would want our kids to grow up and mature into responsible adults. Well, God wants his kids to grow up to be responsible Christians, believers. The goal is maturity. And maturity comes as Jesus is conformed into our lives as we grow in him. And then the last verse that we're going to look at, and it's verse 5. It says, if anyone or if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, then it will be given to him. So God offers wisdom concerning the specifics. Um, you know, he's, he's not holding back. You know, if, any man has, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. You're in a situation and, you know, things seem like they're getting out of control. Well, James is saying, well, if you need wisdom, if you need direction, if you need guidance, ask God. It's so basic. And, you know, something interesting that I've always, I always thought was um, kind of intriguing about the book of James and James's life is that, um, keep in mind, he, he grew up with Jesus. I mean, Jesus was his older brother. And, you know, and this now this is, you know, just my speculation. Um, I'm, so I can't say this is gospel. But, you know, what do you think it was like for James to, you know, facing a situation and he goes to Jesus? Jesus, I'm having, a, you know, I'm trying to figure out what to do, you know, whatever the situation. And Jesus speaks into his life. He goes back and makes the application. Things work out. You know, something comes up in James's life again. Boom, goes to Jesus. You know, and now, but keep in mind, he's at this point. He thinks he's talking to his older brother, but he's he's speaking to the Lord. And now, he's writing the book. He's writing to to the, those who are dispersed. He's writing the book of James, and I almost look at this verse as it's almost like a, something that he lived. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. That's what he was doing his whole life growing up, going to Jesus, asking for advice, asking for guidance. For him, it was just like a matter of fact. And he's saying this to the church now. If anyone lacks wisdom, you're going through a trial, you're going through a difficult time, ask God. You need wisdom? Ask God. You need direction? Lord, I don't understand what's going on. Ask him. Spend some time in prayer, fast, do whatever it takes, but, you know, ask him, ask him. You know, everything, and, you know, every trial is a little different. Every response is a little different that we need, the, the way we navigate them. And, um, you know, this is just a, 
a beautiful way to just wear out that path to the throne of grace and just praying and spending time with the Lord. And, you know, I used to pray for wisdom even before I got saved. <laughs> when I was in high school, I was, I don't remember, I don't remember bringing home books. Were you guys like that in high school? I, that was what the locker was for, right? What did they give you a locker if you were not going to put your stuff in it, right? So I, I found myself a lot of times taking a test and saying, Lord, could I please just tell me the answer, help me, you know, because I was, I was a, a, um, a good Catholic or a tri well, I guess everybody's a good Catholic when you're Catholic. So, but that's not talking about that kind of wisdom. You know, God is, you know, when, when, when we um, lack wisdom for a, something that we're going through, you know, we're praying for that specific wisdom. And it's all part of our relationship with the Lord. You know, it's, you know, our prayer life, our, the time we spend alone in the word and with the Lord. It's just so important because, it, you know, we, we, we need that. We, we need that. We need to have that relationship. We need to understand that, um, yeah, it pays to, to, to be patient, to endure what's going on. And, you know, God is never going to give us anything that we can't handle. He's behind, the whole, he's behind it. And he's there willing to give us all of the information that we need. All we need to do is ask. It's that simple. If you're going through something this morning, ask. You know, ask and keep on asking. And, and we're going to start wrapping it up. But what's interesting is, so keeping in mind, you know, that, you know, James and his kind of proximity with Jesus, you know, and his, you know, encouraging us to ask and to keep asking, I wonder if he was there when, um, Jesus said this in Luke 11, verses 9 and 10, and I'll, I'll read it for you guys. It says, so I, this is Jesus, so I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For anyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open. <clears throat> the, the tenses here are continuous, Keep on asking, keep on seeking, you know, keep on knocking. And you wonder, was, was James sitting in the crowd listening to that? Because it sounds like it, for the advice that he's given us here. That's what James is saying here. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him or her continually be asking of God. Lord, what, what's going on? What do I need to know? And God promises to give us the information, the wisdom that we need. Not to, uh, not to avoid the trial so much, but how to navigate through it. What's the lesson? What's the lesson? And it says, lastly, that he gives it liberally without reproach to those who ask. You'll never hear God say, oh, okay, so here you are again, Tony. Same thing, just a week later, you know, I mean, I just don't understand it. You know, I, I did give you a Bible, right? You know, the, the Holy Spirit. You know, I mean, you have everything you need, so what's the problem? You know, and the thing is, God's not going to do that. 
you know, God, it says that he, he, he gives it liberally without reproach. He's not going to scold you for that, you know, for wearing out a path to the throne of grace. You know, and, you know, I know that it probably sounds kind of weird, but sometimes we think that way because we would, you know, we won't do that with each other. You know, come on, but talk to Pastor, Pastor Rob, you know, about this last week and then this week, you know. God is not, he's not, a, he's not anything like us, <laughs> thank God, right? And, you know, so we can, you know, we can just keep going back to him, going back to him with the same thing, with the same thing. You know, this rich young ruler, right, it says that, that he looked at him and loved him. And you know what? He knew he was going to reject him, but he still loved him. You know, God... Does he gives wisdom liberally and without reproach? We can just keep going and keep going and keep going. You know, once again, thinking of James and Jesus and their relationship growing up, could you imagine? You know, James now he's he's continuing to go to his big brother, and then all of a sudden Jesus saying, "Hey, kid, you know, come on, go away, you're bothering me." You know, could you, you know, you would never, never even in a minute think that he would say that to, to James. You know, guys, we have to get past all of that emotional, whatever, we just got to get past whatever it is that would hinder us from getting involved with the process of what God is doing in our lives. And I know um, a lot of times it doesn't seem that way. But it gets, um, it gets to be um, a challenge. It gets to be a challenge because none of us, me, none of us, um, nobody, wants, <laughs> nobody wants to be uncomfortable. Nobody wants to go through um, the trials of life. You know, we'd love to avoid them. But you know what? Sometimes God uses them as tools in our life. So important for us to understand that. Um, you know, Paul echoes this whole thought in, in, in Ephesians 4 when he says, Let us therefore come boldly, boldly to the throne of grace, that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And then in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 9 through 23. Uh, the writer of Hebrews says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope, without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. So I'm going to leave you guys with a thought. And um, I kind of, I, I wanted to, um, I wanted to close with the song, so I'm not going to sing. And it was too late to call the worship team. So there's a song by Meredith Andrews, and it's called Not For A Moment. And I mean, the, you know, the, the message is that there's, there's not for a moment that would God forsake us. You know, in, in the difficulties, 
in the things that um, we face in life, um, sometimes we feel like that God is like checked out. But God hasn't checked out. And God has promised to never check out. And, you know, we, we talked about having God search our hearts, having him to try us and the, to show us. And I want, Tom's going to click a button and play this song. But what I want to do is I want you guys to really um, just kind of put the rest of the day out, out of your mind, um, whatever happened up to this point, and just um, focus on those things that God has been speaking to your heart about, maybe things going on, and just really um, understand the fact that no matter what it is, he's there in the middle of it with us. And, you know, Pastor Richard's here. Uh, Pastor Mark just walked in. Brian's here. Um, you know, these guys are going to come up front. And if, you know, if God's been speaking to your heart, and it's, you know, you can just tell him you need prayer, whatever. But, um, you know, don't leave here, you know, with the same stuff that you walked in with. If, if, you're, if there's something going on in life and, and you want prayer, you know, you've been kind of kicking against the goads. You've been kind of resisting what God is trying to do in your life. Um, take a few minutes and come up and get some prayer or have somebody that you came with pray for you. But you know what? You got, you got to deal with it. So you know what? Sunday morning's the, uh, just as good a time as any to do it. So Tom, why don't you play the song and um, I'll be up here with these guys. And if you want some prayer, please come up. And let's pray. You were reaching through the storm, walking on the water, even when I could not see. Save me after. 
All right. Well, let's pray. <clears throat> oh, Lord, thank you for um, just who you are. God, we, um, we thank you that um, we are just so thankful, God, that you, uh, you saved us the way we were, and yet you're so committed um, to changing us into the image of your son. And, and God, I pray that we would um, continue to cooperate with those things that you're working in our lives. I thank you, Lord, for everyone here, uh, Lord, that you would um, just uh, continue to work and minister um, in their lives, continue to reveal yourself to us, Lord, just um, continue to, to guide us and direct us. And Lord, I pray that um, you would allow that word to just resonate <clears throat> in our minds and in our hearts uh, for the rest of the day, just to cooperate, uh, to cooperate, to keep in step. You know, the, your word gives us so many different examples, Lord, uh, just keeping in step with the spirit and just being willing to submit to what you're doing in our lives, God. And um, Lord, it's just awesome to think that the creator of the universe cares that much about us in such a personal, <laughs> loving way. Lord, we are um, sometimes just speechless when it comes to that. So, Lord, be a, an active part of the rest of our day today, whatever we got going on. I pray for the time of fellowship and the meal that follows the service. And, Lord, we, uh, we pray, God, that you would be glorified um, in our lives um, just here on out. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and thank you for who you are. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, God bless you guys.